time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey! What if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. Bye! I got insulted that I asked if I could move it over to so I could sit with my wife and mm-hmm. eat some dinner, and he never did. Anyway. So I had to get running back. Philadelphia's and back a tough to town, by the tough way. Tough town. I don't know if you know yes, that. I know. It's a tough town. They be, uh, do I know it? They booed the Easter Bunny once there. Yeah, so. they did. So it's a tough town. So anyway, uh, yeah, so we saw. I couldn't believe the halftime score. Then I got on the plane, and I was I couldn't text on the plane, so right. I'm waiting to find out. I heard the halftime score. Finally, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's with this basketball team, man? Well, I think defensively, the last two games, they've really turned it up a notch. You know, did Alabama miss some shots that they should have made? Didn't or make chippies? anything in the first half. No, they went 15 minutes without a made basket. And But every shot was contested. And I, and I think, buddy, I think one of the things that Mike White has been consistent with is defense this entire season. And we've all been on that emotional roller coaster of, hey, you need to run and gun like the PK-80. You need to shoot threes. But inside the conference where teams are scouting you and have a good feel for you and it's night in and night out, um, it's difficult to do that in any league, well, whether it's the Big 12 or the SEC. And I really think, uh, you know, the last four games, I believe this team's played very hard since giving away the game to Georgia. I thought they played hard against Tennessee, who I think is the best team in the league. Mm -hmm. They played hard against Vandy, and Vandy made plays down the stretch. Mm -hmm. And then they played hard the last two games and were rewarded for it. But they're back in the NCAA tournament. I think that's a done deal. And uh, it'll be good to have the Gators back in there two years in a row because when you miss it, that's when you really, you know, really it starts to bother you uh, when your team's in the NIT. So it makes the tournament fun and a huge game coming up on Saturday, but a great win for Mike White. I like I, I don't know exactly what they did on defense. They were crowding the guards a lot more, and their post defense surprised. Of course, they missed everything. In the, but part of that was they were double teaming at the right time. Yeah, and they got their hands on the ball. I didn't say uh, Alabama got three straight offensive rebounds. They had twenty back. for the game, but yeah. but they missed fifty forty two shots. Yeah, and I think the thing you mentioned it. The guards were uh, their hands were in the passing lane. You know, Casey Hill was really good at that last yeah. year. Chioza seems to be doing it more the last couple of games. I think they've been more active and handsy. They just contested every shot, buddy. I mean, you know how it is. It's like when I go play with my teenage son, all right? I never like playing one-on-one with a teenager because there's no fouls. The no foul rule, you know, yeah. when you played Brendan when he was a young kid, the yeah. prince, and he would just foul you every time you tried to go in because you were taller and he's yeah. hacking you. Yeah. And then you'd miss the layup because yeah. he's hacking you, yeah. you know? He's and so I thought, I thought Florida, he, hacked me, he hacked me today. I believe it. I believe it. So uh, I thought they were very uh, active, and, and, and Coach White was animated last night. He was into it. Um, 
That, that was a good win. I really was. I think that's who Florida is. I think. You think? Yeah, because I think here's the thing. That's who they are in this league. But the tournament's going to be way easier for them than their own conference. Yes, Team, now, because they may get a bye, a double bye. No, forget win. about that tournament. I'm talking about the NCAA oh, tournament, yeah, buddy. Okay. Because you, oh, the first opponent they'll play, if they get a good seed, they should beat no matter what. Now a team has one day to get ready on how to defend Florida's three-point mm-hmm. shooters mm-hmm. and how do they want to get back on defense and all the stuff that we see these SEC teams doing that have a scouting report on these guys 16 pages deep because of all the yeah. games they played. So yeah. I'm not saying they're going to make a deep run, but I wouldn't shock me if this team plays more freely and better offense in the tournament than it's played in the league. And here's the thing about it. You're absolutely right. This team looks like it's the real identity right now. The one we thought was there underneath the whole time because we knew they had shooters, knew they had scorers. But they could, they all went cold at the same time. And now this team playing, as we said earlier, when they beat um, uh, Gonzaga, number eight, number six right. in the country, we said they could beat anybody. And then for a while they couldn't beat, any, they couldn't beat anybody. I mean, they just couldn't throw it in the ocean. So let me ask you what you're seeing with your trained eyes. What turned this team around? What's the difference in now and two weeks ago when they couldn't make a layup? Well, they didn't make a layup again last night. She was a Mr. Yeah. Chippy probably, yeah. right, when you got on the plane. I mean, literally a breakaway. I just, they hadn't fixed that, and obviously Gak hurt them at the free throw line. But I just think the, the buy-in on the defensive side, the level of uh, commitment, I really think it goes – you know, they, they've been playing pretty hard, but I think you know, Bassett didn't play in the second half last night. He was having a, uh, some issues physically, so he didn't play. But I thought his message, the way he started the game against Auburn Saturday night, buddy, and I know you yeah, probably talked about it on your did. shows we earlier did. this yeah, week. But he was very impressive. He was impressive. Yeah. I think that kind of sent the message to the other guys that, hey, we got to step it up. So I, I really I don't think there's a certain point you could say the light went on, no. but I do think this is a team that figured out we better play defense no. if we're going to have a chance to win. And, look, they played good defense against Georgia and gave the game away. They played good defense against Tennessee yeah. and lost. So uh, I think they can uh, if they continue that next couple of games, they get a, get a chance to uh, go deep into the SEC tournament, and then they're going to look up at the NCAA tournament. It's not going to be as difficult. I remember this. I'll give you an analogy. Okay. Steve Spurrier comes to Florida, mm-hmm. and we used to scrimmage against our defense and couldn't move the ball. I'm sure you know that because you wrote many books. About we couldn't move the ball. What, Duke? We went up and down the field all the time. I said, well, Coach, this ain't Duke's defense. This is Brad Culpepper, Huey Richardson, Tim Polk, Jerry Odom, Richard Fain, Will White. So anyway, um, I didn't know how good our offense was going to be. We could never move. We never had success ones versus ones mm-hmm. in practice. And again, I'm obviously was a backup, but watching our ones versus one from the sideline. But you get a better view. And then the first series against Oklahoma State, everybody knows how epic that was. Fifty points. But it was it just became so much easier in the game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like coming out of conference play, Mm -hmm. Florida will be able to play more freely uh, in the tournament because of this uh, renewed vigor on defense. But you can't not look at Jalen Hudson. I mean, here's a guy who. Scored 26 earlier in the year, looked like he was going to be all world, and played Casper the Ghost. Disappeared for like 12 games, and he had, and he shows up big. I mean, yeah, he shows yeah. up in. I mean, he's taking the ball to the hole, he's hitting the threes, he's running the break, doing all the things. You think, where has this game been? You know. 
Well, I think, again, you go back and look at the last couple of games, I think the guards have been driving more. And uh, they weren't doing that early on. Yeah. They were letting Chioza drive, and everybody yeah. spaced out. We've seen Allen drive, certainly against Auburn. We saw Hudson last night, which had Avery Johnson up in arms because he kept thinking that they had the right scouting report on, on Hudson. And I don't even think he gave Hudson credit in the postgame, to be honest with you. I think he said, oh, we knew he was going to do all that. Well, you didn't stop it. And so he knew it because we didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the backcourt was the key. And Allen was still aggressive. He didn't shoot well from behind the arc, but I, he had some good looks that didn't go down. Um, so I think the backcourt's the key coming down the stretch. I think anytime in tournament play, you got to have good backcourt play. All right, good analysis. Now, let me get a couple of business out of the way here. This is a Daniel L. Hightower Wednesday. Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer, fighting for action and victim justice since 1976. We thank Daniel and his folks over there. Car accident, work accident, wrongful death, personal injury, social security disability, Contact Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer, fighting for action and victim justice since 1976. Call 352-629-7777. That's 352-629-7777. Or visit danhightower.com offices in Ocala. Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer, fighting for action and victim justice since 1976. Now, let me just point out one thing. You know about the late night dilly dilly, right? Dilly dilly. That's what drew, drew me in. Yeah, Dilly had, Dilly, bring, bring you know, Late Night that Kingdom. Did, that did bring you in. It, it did. did. It drew me in. And we had, had our thousands member signed up this week. Uh, Jeff, from not Cole from Tampa, we asked him what got him in was the was their airport. That got him. <laughs> he said that's what drew him in. And the, and the Dilly Dilly. And so now we have a sponsor for Late Night Dilly Dilly. We appreciate Tracy and Chris, the Cumulus, from CD Farms and Archer, he's associated with Florida. Uh, they have they, they pasture-fed beef. Uh, they have uh, vegetables. Uh, they're uh, they're they're dealing with uh, just healthy food stuff like you and I need, you know, farm-to-table type stuff. And I'm going to take a trip out there and see uh, Tracy and Chris, and uh, you should check them out on the internet. Uh, they've been around since 2004. Uh, CD Farms, you can go to CD Farms Florida. Um, on Facebook, and also email them at cdfarmsflorida at gmail.com. Join the Farm to Table movement and go try out CD Market, uh, CD Farms food out in Archer. Van, uh, Brendan already has had some beef. Have you had any? I haven't had either beef yet. No, I haven't, but now I'll try it. Well, Brendan, I mean, you didn't tell me. Well, I, that's I haven't. Well, the Brendan had everything. Some. We didn't get it. Well, I'm just say. a court jester. I don't even have the title, so. <laughs> I got yeah. no title. Thanks to the Ocala Quarterback Club. Always sponsors us today. We're talking about uh, our friend Greg Ergel, Greg Ergel Financial Services. Uh, They've uh, been in business for a while. If you want experience and uh, someone who will give you an honest uh, situation of your finances, go see Gerald Ergel, uh, excuse me, Greg Ergel, and he will take care of your financial needs. He's one of the club captains at the Quarterback Club, along with Frank Cannon and Danny Williams of Danny Williams Appraisal Team. Now, Thank you very much for all that. I want to say thank you to John Kerr from Atlanta, who sent us a $50 check for Same. the cause. For the cause. For the cause. For the, for, the, for the kingdom. All hail. What was his name again? John Kerr. John Kerr. All hail John Kerr. Stay loyal dilly to dilly. the kingdom. Dilly dilly. Dilly yeah. dilly. John Kerr. John Kerr. Everyone, all our, hail. One of our members. Good people. So Now, here's a question, one more basketball question if we talk some football here. What is a quadrant win? Uh, quadrant wins are basically Ooh. top 50 RPI victories. 
Uh, we've got it. We're going quadrant talk. That my my agent didn't tell me we're having quadrant it's talk. It's boring. Florida has three. Is third in the country in quadrant right. one wins. Nine, right? Yeah. So what it means is they got a lot of quality wins. And what the committee has said to get people to play other teams in the non-conference schedule. Remember, this league was a three-bid league barely the last five, six, seven years. And, you know, uh, one, and it was always Florida, Kentucky, and whoever else. And Florida's always played a good non-conference schedule. They played Michigan State. They played Louisville. They played Kansas. They, so the SEC kind of fixed it, says, you got to play the non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to do that, you got to reward that, which is why Mississippi State sitting at 21 wins in 1985, or 1990, uh, Mississippi State thinks they're in a tournament. We got 21 wins, a winning at least a yeah, 500 yeah. record in the SEC, which is a good league. But you got to play people outside your conference, and that's why they they have the quadrant wins. Go play, uh, you know, teams that are, are strong non-conference schedule and strong in-conference schedule as well. Well, uh, I've got their breakdown. It's too boring to read, but basically, it's uh, wins home versus RPI, neutral versus RPI, road versus RPI, and so on. It's too boring. But a quadrant one, two. Three and four, and of course, as you said, quadrant one is the big thing. So. The small schools will tell you it's a, it's biased against them. You know, it's not that long yeah, ago, probably, probably about five years ago, is. Missouri Valley was getting six teams in. Yeah. They'll never get six teams in now, even if they were as good as they were six years ago, because yeah. it stacks up the big conference. Have to figure out how to get them out of there. Make I'm not, I like big schools. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big school guy. Yeah, so third most in the country behind Kansas 11 and North Carolina 10, as you say. Um, all right, so you want to talk a little football. You ready? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's already started. Felipe Franks now. People are discovering he's still there. I have had my thoughts about Felipe Franks. I'm kind of trying to hold back a little bit because we're going to be talking about it all summer. So I figure we won't go over crazy here. I have a little thing about Franks I'll share with you in a minute. Uh, And, of course, we're all excited about the new guy. You're always excited about the new guy. You know, Emmy Jones is the guy who's got the goods. He's the guy that Florida wanted. Mullen brought him in. Yeah, he's the glamour guy right now. But what about Felipe Franks, who, by the way, last year when he had a guy coming to take his job away from Notre Dame, didn't back off. And I remember on media day, and I talked to him. He said, "That's fine. I'm willing to. I'm willing to fight for. The, I'm willing to compete for the job." And I like that about him right away. Now, the kid obviously needs some skills, some coaching. We all know that. But based on what we've heard Mullen talk about in generic terms so far. And you're hearing his little comments bubble up. He said nothing officially about, but he likes his size, his arm strength. He said today, he said, you know, there weren't many guys who could throw the ball 70 yards. He's right. coached before, you know, right. and including this guy at Mississippi State, who was a pretty good player, by the way. I think he went to Dallas and then okay. Um, so Dak didn't throw it 70 yards. And uh, so you're starting to hear about him. Is there anything we should read into that, or is that just free spring practice talk? Where do you sit right now on the Franks case? And we really can't even talk about Henry Jones because we haven't really seen him yet. But let's talk about Felipe. Well, in fairness to uh, Felipe, we've seen him and we wouldn't pick him if we've based on what we've seen. If we're not going to if we're going to say Henry Jones can't win the job because we haven't seen him. And here's what I think. I think Franks will be better and more efficient under Dan Mullen. I think his offense is simpler from a standpoint of the way he teaches it. Doesn't mean it's any less complex to a defense to figure out. But he, the way he teaches it, his track record speaks for itself. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Tyler Russell, maybe a little more athletic, was a big, probably the biggest recruit that Mullen had, who Dak Prescott actually beat out for the job. Forget uh, about Tyler Russell. Yeah, after, um, 
after one year of starting behind, you know, playing behind him, which is why I think we're looking at the two quarterback deal. Because here's the one thing: uh, you want to, you want every, uh, Dan Mullen knows everybody in the Gator Nation, and like I've told you, he's been watching this program. Yeah, right. Yeah. Vince yeah. over here looking. He knows what's going on. He yeah. knows everybody in the Gator Nation wants to see Emory Jones. Yeah. All right. But his only chance to get the best out of Felipe Franks is to boost Felipe Franks up. And all you could do as a coach is give all these guys confidence, but especially Felipe, because that's who they're going to ask about. They're not asking about Trask. They're right. not asking about Jake Allen. And those right. guys might be better. Who knows? Well, but you I boost them up. <laughs> you boost them up, and then you get out there and you find out <clears throat> what he looks like on the field. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that – He's got to be clearly better than Emory Jones for me to play him over Emory Jones. If it's dead heat, I go with Emory Jones. Now, the word on you know Emory Jones is he's struggling with the passing game right now and, and, and not really throwing the ball as crisp as he did on tape in high school. So we'll see. All that will work itself out. Um, but Dan Mullen hasn't coached Felipe Franks yet, so we don't know uh, you know how well he's going to do. But his he's got the measurables. Well, he also said that he's going to need two quarterbacks, and he's not stupid, obviously. He figured that out. And in this league right now, the way guys are getting beat on and beat up, quarterbacks could go down. You better have a good one behind him, yep. and he better be coached up. And I think Muller has that in mind. So he wants Felipe or somebody to be his, their guy there. They don't want him to transfer, right? Right. So you got to give him a chance. you got to talk it up a little bit, right? Right. You don't make your decision on the starting quarterback in the spring. You never do that. Because these guys will be gone by August. Yeah, no, you wait. But, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, this group, I don't see anybody leaving except maybe Franks if he were to have a terrible spring. But, um, you know, again, he's still got to see him out on the field. And when he does, I, you know, I think Felipe's going to be better than he was, obviously. I do too, because you know what? He'll actually be able to read a progression, at least the one, two, maybe not three. He'll be able to read progressions. And what would he do if he could coach, if he was coached a little bit, you know? Yeah, you know, I think. The last coaching staff wanted the cerebral quarterback yeah. more than they wanted the physically gifted quarterback, yeah. even though they signed him. Because you have to. Yeah. Look at his measurables. How do you not? Do? You roll Felipe out of the combine next week, and he's going to get – somebody's going to take him. Right. Oh, I can coach him the up. size. Yeah, yeah I'm going to coach him up. And he never grasped. They never connected at that position. And that's on coaching. You got to make – it doesn't matter how much as a coach you understand. It's how much the player understands. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that was frustrating because they're bouncing back between Del Rio, who's cerebral but not as gifted talent-wise, and Franks. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I wonder about Franks' confidence. Remember, Driscoll, after a while of getting benched and being the whipping boy. Totally lost it. Lost it. Didn't want to come back to Florida. Didn't even bother talking to McElwain and ended up doing pretty good with La Tech. I think Franks is still young enough that he can get through some of the criticism he's had. Good point. Well, <clears throat> Your buddy, Frank Frangi, and my friend, by the way, too, uh, had Dan Mullen on yesterday. And Mullen told him, I really like them, the quarterbacks. That would be Frank Strask and Allen. Right. He said, uh, they looked the part. I'll tell you that. I love the attitude because the quarterbacks are such an important deal in the offseason, especially through the offseason conditioning program, having the mental toughness or setting the bar high enough for everybody else. They might not be the fastest guys on the team, but they're, they've got to compete in the fastest. They may not be the strongest. They've got to push the players in the weight room. Uh, beyond anybody else, they all have got done that, and they really embrace that. So people look quarterbacks for leadership. That That is just the way it is. A, a, a quarterback has got to lead the team. 
and in essence, even a little bit the defense. Tebow did that. I mean, there's only no other Tebow. Tebow's a unique right. individual. But the leadership of that position is everything, isn't it? It is. And, you know, um, the the prior coach, first of all, also said he liked the quarterback room. But the prior, I hate that term. Yeah. He, thankfully, he didn't say room. The, co- the prior coach, though, never talked individually about the quarterbacks. No matter how much you try to yeah. drag out, hey, coach, Will Greer played great yeah. today. You know, we did a lot of good things. He never singled out yeah. Treon Harris, even when he was playing terrible. Right. He never praised the guy individually. He was never put the guy out there so that the kid could have the responsibility to do what Dan Mullen is trying to get him to do. Dan's going to push him out there. If you're the quarterback, you have to be an alpha male. You have to be a leader. And you have to be somebody that everybody looks to um, to move the offense and rally the team. And really, you're a team leader. And I question whether Franks can handle that. He's a thin-skinned kid who, under the prior staff, really struggled with tough criticism and tough coaching. And I think it's going to be a nice balance because they'll have a quarterback, a younger guy maybe that he can identify with, and Brian Johnson coaching him. And I think obviously Mullen overseeing him. But whoever Dan puts out there will be best equipped to move the offense. You go and look at his track record. He doesn't bench guys. He doesn't. We don't. We're not going to get into the fourth game and go, man. He should have played that guy. Whoever he's playing is going to be moving the offense. And I, I think, uh, you know, over time, Dak Prescott won the job. Over time, Fitzgerald won the job. But none of these guys played as a true freshman day one starter. They played, but they weren't starter day one. As Why a not? Because I think uh, I think Dan knows how to work two quarterback systems. He got an older guy. You know, he walked in there. He had Chris Relf. Um, he got to Florida. He made it work with uh, Tebow and Lee. It's simple as that. Um, you know, when he got to Utah, uh, Alex Smith was older. Uh, he got to Florida. Leak was older, so he brought Tebow along and so forth. So um, he wasn't, Cam Newton wasn't going to play as a freshman. So, you know, why would we expect Henry Jones to play as a freshman? The only thing, only reason I would think that he does win the starting job is if he's clear, if uh, him and Franks are even. And like I said before, Dan has a pulse of the Gator Nation. He knows they want to see Emory Jones. But um, he's going to put a guy out there that can move the chain. So I, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, we're two weeks away from me having an educated opinion on it because I'll be able to see him running his yeah. offense. But, uh, you know, I think I wouldn't rule out Jake Allen. I don't know why people are, you know, I know he's going to have an emergency appendectomy. I hope that doesn't send him back. What was that? Uh, just happened um, Friday. Really? Yeah. So he's uh, laid up Friday or Saturday. At I keep hearing about Jake Allen. You bring him up a lot. I keep hearing. I haven't seen much of him, so I have no opinion. But a lot of people are mentioning his name. Uh, didn't he play with one of the transfer wide receivers? He played with Grimes. Yeah. He went to Ohio yeah. State. He played at St. Thomas Aquinas, right, which is the right. premier program right. in the state that right. isn't called IMG, that right. doesn't really play by the same rules. Right. And then you have... Um, he was a four-star recruit at one time, and then he committed so early, ended up being a three-star. Uh, he understands defenses. He understands how to process and read. Go back to Dan Mullen's first press conference at Florida, and he said, I need a quarterback that can run the offense, that can read coverages and process what's going on. And I'm talking, and I probably would say that's layman's, or that's not verbatim what he said, but that's what he, in his terms, that's what he meant. And uh, I haven't seen Felipe do that. Not yet. You know, but I'm sure after a week, I'll probably be in here. But again, I've seen guys do it in practice. They can't do it in the game. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not down on Franks. I think he tries. You know, look, I go all the way back to the Michigan game. I'm not so sure they should have pulled him. 
You know, when they I don't did. Think he was trying to get a first down, he fumbled the ball. I don't think they should have fumbled. So he's been through a lot. No. He's really got to be thick-skinned no. if he wants to be the quarterback in yeah. Florida. I think you're right. I mean, I don't think he's going to be the savior. You know, you can, this quote keeps coming back, the one you that you uh, you gave me a couple of weeks ago. We've worn it out now to a point where it's getting a little bit ridiculous. I almost don't want to say it anymore. But today, you can't see this picture, unfortunately, here on TV. These are. This is Dan Mullen in the member in the in the uh, at Dan Mullen in the middle. Excuse me. Last night in Tampa, and he is uh, what he's doing here. He's got a couple of dudes on his side. One of them is one of the Generation Kingdom guys, Tony. And Tony says, yeah, "Well, Tony said, well, just like you said, it's like Mullen was watching us from afar." <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, Mullen, is Mullen an honorary kingdom member, or has he got to earn his way? We got to get—he's automatically qualified, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, all head coaches at Florida. Can no, be but he came off the plane chomping. He was in, right? He's there. in the kingdom. I bet he, he put in. a kingdom hat on for us. Yeah, you might need I to get a, that done. Yeah, we got a, we got one right back there. I think we need to get that done. If they absolutely get the producer to actually uh, show up at yeah. the motors. Well, <laughs> we got to find you. Uh, we got to find you. Do we settle on the ambassador, emissary? Why do we settle? I on? don't know what I am. I might be. Uh, I might be undercover. I might be undercover. Undercover? Yeah. I kind of yeah. like. Uh, I sort of like the ambassador a little bit, but that sounds like Spurrier. Sounds like I'm old. All right. So here's the deal. Old, what man. do you want to talk about? I'm gonna give you. Let's talk about. You want to talk about Mullen? Talk about Tebow? Uh, we, we we can since people you mentioned Tebow that'll get him yeah. excited. Well, I mean, here's the quote: "It's just, right, it's right. just they ask him about his favorite players." All right, and he said it's hard to pick one, which all coaches would say, and I understand that. I could get that. He says, "I will tell you this: I love Timmy." He said, "If you don't know him, if you haven't met him, everything about him is genuine. It's all real, like almost annoyingly real." It just makes you feel even worse about yourself, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty good. I won't go on and say the whole thing. He said, we spent three years together. I spent more time with Tim. I did my wife, except he was so competitive. He's always goading him all the time, you know, and then doing some challenging him. So obviously they had a special relationship. And uh, so he would like to get him here as a coach one day, but Tim has other things in mind. I could see him coming here one spring, though, when he gives up baseball. Yeah. I can see him coming by spring coaching one of the springs, being a whatever you call that position. What would you call that position? Well, technically, technically he can't coach unless he's a full-time on-field designated no. coach. Now, they have these off-field coaches now. Yeah. Everybody has them. They're yeah. quality control. Saban's got like 50 of them. Offensive anal analysts. Yeah. So they, when they close the gates and yeah. the Buddy Martins aren't in there, you know, reporting back to the yeah. kingdom – like yeah. you do on the tarmac, yeah. then they get out there and coach a little bit. But we won't. Yeah. Everybody does that. It's yeah. simple. It's, it's not a big deal. But yeah, I could see him coming back as some sort of a consultant or something. Yeah. Um, you know, when you win championships, those generally are your, the first guys that come to mind. The Danny Werfels, the Shane Matthews for Spurrier, those guys, uh, the guys at Doring, the guys you win championships with as a coach, those are the guys that really are near and dear to your heart. Because you won something with him. You sure. celebrated something with him. When you talk to Coach Spurrier, you talk about the 91 team. I was on that team. Mm -hmm. He could probably tell you all 22 starters today. Yeah. You know, and, and backups. And so I think uh, there's no – I think Dak Prescott had a special relationship with Dan because they did something at Mississippi State that has never been done. And that's 8-0. No, if it had, it was before my era, before I was born. Number one in the country in November, you know, at 8-0. No, 
they did some big things at, at, at state. But I think that relationship with Tebow. In the toughest division, no, not just the no conference. Question, but I think that the, time that they had like, what did they have? Three guys, three of the teams from the West in yeah. the top five yeah, in the was, country, right? It was amazing. Yeah. And the talent that's, that was in that division. So I, I think that's, you know, that there's all, you always have relationships with your players. Oh. Especially a, a guy who's uh, his hands on his call and the plays as Dan is. Yeah. So, um, but Tebow's special. There's no question. Gator fans already know that. Dilly Dilly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but here's the deal. We know Mullen's going to have something go wrong. He's going to have his day, and he's, he won't bat a 1,000. When that happens, we'll see how the Gator fans react. But I haven't seen anything yet, but there is this thing about uniforms. Oh, ah, yeah. That, you know, all you folks in the Gator Nation kingdom, we're all about the unis. You know, some like the classic fundamental look of the Block F, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Some like the, the all the all blue. Some like this, the ones that they got now, the orange pants and the white jerseys, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, now we're getting into this. This is, And he made a reference about the green uniforms again. The kids really like them. Yes, they do. The public, well, let's say that, all of them. Let's say people over 40. Hated is that is that fair? I mean, I mean, we have a lot of listeners that are from probably 21, 21 maybe yeah. uh, to seventy. I'm sure. Is it fair? I mean, is it fair to classify it as just the over forty crowd didn't like them? No, I think the over, over forty crowd also doesn't like the orange jerseys, and that they were that was when I was in college. That was what we wore. I didn't say um, I didn't say change the uniform. I just said that's a fact. Look, Dan said he's going to wear the blue jersey, orange helmet, white pants for the first game. Yeah. Going to run out there, get a good team photo. Then yeah. after that, folks, forget about it. It's going to be it? all over the map. Really? You know, when Dan was at Mississippi State, they uh, they had a lot of different uniforms, cool ones as well. And they had a deal with Adidas, who got into the business with the Tech Fit jersey. So that was one of their biggest schools. So he could basically have the kids help him design these uniforms. It was very progressive, and you needed that at Mississippi State to be different, to attract recruits. True. But he still feels that's the, the case today. You know, he said the kids came through, the recruits, and they loved the uniforms of A&M, uh, the A&M game. And uh, while they didn't translate well on TV, I mean, they were gator green. And so they're going to do some things. He talked about a black jersey. Um, look, this as the head coach, what is your job to win? How do you win? By acquiring and developing talent. Nothing else. Booster clubs don't win you football games. Coming on the kingdom doesn't win you football games. Uh, you know, so spring practice doesn't win you football games. It's about acquiring talent and developing talent. McElwain acquired some talent. He never developed it. Muschamp acquired some talent. He only developed the defensive side. If he can develop it, I think Florida will win big. And how do you do that? Well, what are we giving the kids? You got to sell them. You got the swamp. You got... Gator history, which is big, you know, Tebow and all that. And you have a great education. Statues. You got statues. You got education. Mm -hmm. What else are you selling them? You're not selling them a football-only well, facility. Whether they're you're not, not from Florida. Well, listen, most, of, most of the kids are from this side. Yeah. You're not selling them a football-only facility. Mm -hmm. You're not selling them nice dorms. You're not selling them a nice weight room. You're not selling them a great dining hall. None of that is on par with the top programs in the country. So for until Florida gets those things, I don't even want to hear the argument about uniforms. If the kids want to wear pink pants and green shirts and they'll come play at Florida, then let's go. Hmm. You got to get the talent. I guess you put me in my place. Well, I'm talking to the kingdom. Hmm. I listen. I'm not against the. I like uniform. the old school uniform. I just didn't like. I just didn't like the green. Do you, what do you like? 
I mean, what would you be? Would you? Okay. Uh, I mean, let me ask you this. Yeah. That's an unfair question. Let me ask it this way. A lot of people are outspoken about the black jersey. We shouldn't wear black. I don't, ha- I don't have a bed. I don't, I'm okay with that. So you just didn't like the green ones. Well, no, I like the green. Yeah, that's no, fair. I don't mind. You play around with it. Do some things different. Make it all silver and orange. I don't care. But don't, don't you like, like that so-called green thing on the swamp. I, it didn't translate, Brady. I mean, you could. If someone hadn't told us what it was, we'd have never known what that was. It's an alligator. That was the alligator. I've ever seen. I'll tell, tell you that was a. But I will say that I understand this is coming. It's going to happen, uh, and I, I expect they'll do it. But you missed one thing. You made some great points. All right. But you missed one little thing where you said bad the points. kids want they, the, the boosters don't help them win games, etc., etc., etc. The kingdom doesn't help them win games. Da 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 da. But you know what does help them win games? Energy. And the swamp has been drained of energy in the last 10, 8, 10 years. They had a season or two in the sun. For the most part, though, you know this, Brady. You around the program. You do the sideline interviews. You're with the program. Is that your son? Oh, I'm going to get to it. Go ahead, finish oh, your oh, take. Okay. <laughs> so, finish your hot take, King. <laughs> I lost my concentration now. But the energy of the fans. The main generates. thing is, and, and, you know, and, and not just in the games. I mean, just like what you said, he's watching us from afar. The fact that he's now, I guarantee okay. you, I, I, these, these booster club meetings are going really well. I can tell just reading and hearing people talk. Right. Uh, and you can he's feel, doing all that stuff. You can feel the energy. So you got to give a chip back. You can't have all the chips. As a fan, as a booster, yeah. as a uh, media guy, we can't give you complete control of the football program. All right? I didn't so I give you the booster circuits. Yeah. I've opened practices. I've come and talked to you. I, like I know it. I memorized your first check, name. Check, check. I, every media member that sat up front yeah. when you guys were there yeah. for signing day check, press check, conference. Check. He's done all that. Now you have to give a chip back and let him do what is he needs to do to get athletes here. I'm all right with that. But we're talking. You were asking my opinion. I don't like wearing uniforms. There you go. There's a football would, player right there. Would you like that if that See? said Martin on the back of it? Yeah. Well, how does that not translate? No. Look at the alligator scales. Uh, I just liked who's in it. Yeah. He's got to get bigger. Did you like him? Huh? The uniforms, I absolutely loved them. thought they were totally cool, and I know I'm in the minority. No, but I'm around high school kids all the time. You know, I know what kids like. I'm a football player. Now he's a uniform expert. No, I just like... Before he was only like quarterbacks, play calling, whatever. Now he's a uniform expert. No, I don't think Florida would have to do this. You're missing my underlying tone here. If we were had the same facilities as Alabama, everybody says, "Well, Alabama doesn't do it." Yeah, well, Alabama also has 100 support staff. They had a great. They renovated their weight room three times since we've renovated ours. They got a jumbotron that you can see from Micanopy. They've got a, uh, you know, they have a, a dining hall and a, a dorm that's incredible. I mean, they're treated like, you know, kings, like they're in the kingdom. So until we get that stuff. If we have to get uniforms, then let's just wear some crazy uniforms. We've got to win. Win, and it'll all take care of everything. There ain't no fans in Mechanopia watching the game. So I, but Anyway. All right. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think he, I think he's got it, and he is watching from afar, and he has watching afar. He has been doing things. Right. I want to get into some ball talk at some point. Probably not now because, obviously, we haven't seen enough. But uh, I, I love – I like. we all like That's amateur cool. quarterback Play callers. We all like to call plays, right? Absolutely. Old quarterbacks and old running backs, whatever, like to call plays. And 
Mullen, uh, Mullen, Mullen is interesting in that regard. He's a chess master. He's very good at call plays. He's never had all the weapons. He's had some. But to see him up there with all the weapons, pushing the buttons, calling the plays, getting the rhythm of the game set up against the stick of defense is going to be fun. I don't think I ever felt like there was any strategy up there in the last eight years. I mean, when they were calling plays, there was no – it didn't seem like it had – like Spurrier would set plays up, okay? Right. He'd run stuff in the first half just to get you to look at it and come at you the other way the next time. Did you see a bunch of that in the last eight years? Zero. Okay. I mean, they, they didn't have anything they could hang their hat on. And remember now, Mullen has had great talent before when he was here at Florida as the OC. Yeah. And I thought he was extremely creative in his time. I think two plays come to mind. Touchdown to Dallas Baker in Knoxville in 06, where he pulled both guards the that way, opposite of where the quarterback was throwing. So it was a naked but he let, took both guards, which made no sense at the time. Mm-hmm. And Baker came all the way across the field. Of course, the middle safeties, they're all lucky in the middle and uh, leaked through a touchdown. The other one is Percy's run. You know, you bring him in. You know, everybody runs it now. But back then, people weren't running. Mm-hmm. Same side motion, hand it to him and have him run back counter mm-hmm. the same side. Usually you hand it to him and they run right. across the quarterback's right. face, if that makes sense to people. So those were things that you see a lot now in high school and colleges. Nobody was doing that. Dan was doing that. So um, even I questioned it at times. So how sound is that? I mean, I might have said that on our old show in the, uh, you know, washroom. I'm beginning to feel Brady's blackboard is making a comeback. Remember the blackboard? Of course I do. Wait, I did. I kept the magazine that we had. That guy right there was the one that came up with it. Brady's blackboard. Yeah. I got to bring the blackboard. Huh? We got to bring, They'll it, bring back. it back. We're we'll, about, we'll get it back for spring. Yeah, high football. tech with a dry race board. Just say, here's, here's, we had it. No, we can do yeah. it. But he's. Uh, but I agree with you. They, the offense hasn't had anything to hang its hat on yeah. except ineptness. The yeah. last eight. And that's what I'm excited about. I'm very excited about. It. Um, all right. So let's uh, let me tell you about CD Farm just a little bit. I want to tell thank those folks. Because Brady, you'll be making an appearance or two on late night Daily Daily. I'm mm-hmm. Is that right? Uh, I've gotten the would pass. You, I've got a clearance. Would you, you got a clearance for clearance? clearance. Yep. Let's ask. The I'm not out of the house after nine, so I have to get. I, know. I have to have a pass. It does have to require a hall pass. <laughs> let's see. Let's see if anybody out there would like to hear Brady on late night dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Now we've been is having that... it different nights. Monday is a time when we're also uh, we're thinking about going moving to Monday night, and we've had a lot of fun with it, and folks do seem to like it. It's our most watched show of the week, uh, and thanks again to CD Farms for stepping up. By the way, CD Farms uh, they grow fresh vegetables and fruit. Grass-fed beef, homegrown pork, farm-fresh eggs and poultry. Fine riding horses, by the way, on their family farm in North Central Florida. They grow this for their family table. Often grow much more than they can eat. And when they do, they want to sell extra fresh for their family to yours. Check them out. They're on Facebook, CD Farms of Florida. Our friends Chris and Tracy DiCabellis are members of the Indonesian Kingdom, among the first to join, and said they want to sponsor the late night dilly dilly. Do we have any good questions we need to respond to? Uh, well, if, if they're not, if we don't respond to any, now we're just going to say they're a bunch of dumb questions. Uh, well, that was Buddy that said that. I didn't there. say that. Yes, you did. You just you, said all the questions are dumb. You 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 try to stir stuff up. You know, you're trying to stuff. <laughs> I'm not trying to stir. Why are you making I mean, so Why are you making trouble? Because I mean, from a, a newspaper writer, editor slash author. You're all about the facts, my man. Absolutely. Good afternoon, buddy and Brady. You guys are rocking. Byron, our guy Byron. How long has Byron been around? All right, here we go. John Terrell, 
I don't know if it's Terrell or Terrell, but I'm sure it's Terrell. For sure, put Brady on late night. Dilly dilly is dilly, great. Dilly dilly. I mean, how late is it? Do I have to do I have to wear my jammies in here? I think you'll be all right. You'll be out of here by ten thirty latest. Oof. I got to get that first check of weather. Yeah, at 10 yeah. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> you can wear your jammies if you want Good. to. At ten o'clock. I, I'd sleep on the floor. Richie Robinson, our man, says absolutely. Come on, Brady. Dilly dilly. Come on, what Brady. goes on? What kind of shenanigans is going on at ten o'clock on the internet? I, I mean, I, well, they used to say nothing good happens uh, after midnight well, in a college town. Yeah. What happens after nine on the on the uh, Dilly Dilly show? Yeah, looks like most people are weighing in on your side on the uniform stuff. Uh, hello to Rebecca Martin Dubeck up in Wyoming. She did us a great wow. great visit up there. Uh, Cole Moore says, "I love the uniforms uh, and attracts recruits, and it's a good change up. You get, you're swaying people. You come in here and you try to take over." And you're, <laughs> And you swing the king. That was, the king that was going with the tort jester no. and not with the king. What's going on here? It's the problem is with the kingdom is you can go with the jester, but he has veto power, so that we lose the king. Look, I, I'm just saying, be prepared for it. There's nothing that we think is going to change it, but I don't think it's going to be anything radical. Look, we've seen stuff, Tebow. I mean, I, I know people that said have said to me, and they might have said to you that they hated that Tim Tebow's last game were in those silly uniforms by Nike. Yeah. Remember that? His last home game. Now, those were ugly. To me, those were ugly. It looked like the stitching was coming out of them or something. But the white helmet's good, but I just it brings back so many bad memories for fans. Yeah. They don't want to see the white helmet. Yeah. But understand that we're starting a new era here. This is like bringing, almost like bringing Spurrier back. It's time for a change, and uh, I think things are going to be better. Going Did forward. you like Tebow? Yeah. Really liked him. Yeah. I had an unfortunate situation with Tebow that didn't end well. And it was the very last game. I liked Tebow a lot. He was one of my top three or four players ever Mm -hmm. I've covered. And I don't get attached to these guys that much. I mean, you know, I mean, I have my favorites. I go back to Carlos Alvarez, for that matter, back in the days, Burger. But Tebow was one of my favorites. And I don't know if I'm just telling this to sort of maybe give it my own guilt or what. But I was with Tim. I wrote a lot of stories about Tim and Gator Country. You know you were writing for Gator Country yeah. at the time. Uh, I interviewed him for the book. I had lunch with him one day during the, for the book, whatever. Really enjoyed it. I did the whole thing. I rode the bus and you know, for the book and so on and so forth. And the last game against Cincinnati, they had a big night. They put up right. a, lot of, a lot of yardage. Mm-hmm. And Urban and Tebow were up their last press conference. And I was out there getting quotes, and Franz Beard was sitting inside, and I hustled inside to get a question in because you want to get, come on, you don't want to go all the way to New Orleans and not get one question in, right? So I went out there, and Franz had the microphone, and I was just getting myself ready to get my notebook, and Franz hands me the microphone. I'm thinking, oh, I hadn't even got a question in my mind right now. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I, I said, you know, congratulations on a great night, uh, Tim. I said, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, these guys could have won another national championship. Think about it. Right. They had the possibilities. Of course, we know the whole thing with losing the Alabama game, et cetera. But they were this close to winning a third national championship. And here's an example of doing a poor job on how you phrase a question. The difference. I said, have you thought, Tim, about what might have been if somehow you would have won the Alabama game? And he says... That's a chronic question. That's the first time he's ever said anything like that to me at all. Of course we, uh, we're.
night tonight, and here we are celebrating. You bring up a crummy question like that. Uh, oh, okay. I'm thinking, okay, I guess I'm not allowed to bring that question up. It caught me off guard because you know how kind Tebow right. always was. I'm just one of his biggest fans in the world, and I said it wrong, and he snapped at me, and I thought, How should you have said it? I should have said, congratulations, Tim. You know, this will go down in uh, history as you know, one of the great moments of all time. It's wonderful. You know, I said, yeah, and you guys are so good. Uh, you know, it, 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 you, know you, you, you could and would have won a third national championship with a little break here or there, something along those lines. You know, but I know you feel good about what, I know you feel good about what you've accomplished, but do you have look back? Do you have any regrets at all? That's how I should ask you. And you just said no. I don't have any regrets. Right. Of course, you, you got specific about one yeah. game, and I I have to side with Timmy on this one. This is why I hate post game interviews. Well, and you have to do them. All the time. I hate. Well, they've they've stunk for eight years because I get it's too many losses, and you're just you run out of things. A coach and a player, it's required mm -hmm. because we want a story and we got a quote, we got a deadline. Mm -hmm. But I would much rather hear from a coach the day after than right after a game. I mean, there's so many thoughts as a coach and a player going through your mind when a game is over. All you're really getting, if, the, if they come through the program the right way at Florida and they pay attention to what they're told, you're getting stock answers. So is that really what you want? Because you have a deadline to meet for the Orlando Sentinel? To me, talking to a guy the next day after he's watched the film, and it can be more candid with you and say, because how many times do you ask a guy about a play you saw in the game? He says, well, I have to go back and look at the tape. I mean, there, there's so much emotion that goes in, win or lose. These guys are very emotional. So the co coaches who, you know, again, the coach has he gets paid a lot of money. He's get up there and talk. People want to hear from him. But it's very difficult, especially being an ex-player and coach, to ask guys questions about certain things in games because you know how it might trigger them. And so, you know, I'm, it should be easier for me because I'm on the Gator Network. But yeah. sometimes these guys think I'm just another guy. So, um I understand where he's coming from because in his mind, always thinking about is that night and you took him to a different place. Mm -hmm. And in fairness to him, I, I mean, I understand it, but his reaction surprises me. His reaction. Yeah, that was the thing that he, how, I mean, he, he, he was right in what he said, but how he responded to it was a little yeah. surprise. Do I need to patch that fence for you? Patch that hole? Patch yeah, I that wish you would. Can you call him tonight? Uh, I might not call him tonight. They just won a game today. Sorry, yeah. Timmy, come back. Uh, let me ask you about some of your rough spots. Mm -hmm. What's the worst? What's the worst reaction you ever got from a coach? Uh, uh, early, other, in, other than nothing. That's well, the worst thing. Well, first of all, I mean, I started in Jacksonville, yeah. uh, and I got on the Jaguar beat guy for the 9:30 uh, WNZS, and yeah. uh, so I went out the first day, and it was 110 degrees at spring, you know, whatever workouts, yes. OTAs, whatever they call those, yes. and I. I was told to wear my khaki pants out there, <laughs> pressed, pleated. Frangie sent me out there, and I got sweat. I look like Bruce Pearl out there. I'm like, really? And then I, Pete Prisco walks up to me and goes, you know, you can wear shorts and flip-flops out here. It's not a big deal. But anyway. You know the story about took, khaki pants and Frangie. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Believe me, okay. I know it. Okay. So I got into, uh, I got in, finally got the nerve. Now, look, I played football. And I had coached football. I coached for Hal Mummy, Mike Leach. I coached with Dana Holgerson. I am now into the media. It should be pretty simple. Move. I should have a little rapport here. I got I was intimidated by Tom Coughlin. I asked Tom Coughlin a question and I knew the answer. That's why I don't like asking questions, because I know the answer. I know exactly what he's gonna like say. Like any good prosecuting attorney. You yeah, always ask I already know what he's yeah. gonna say. Yeah. 
So I say, he looks at me and just gives me this, like I'm the dumbest guy that's ever, I mean, and so I felt about that big. The other two times were Urban, who I like Urban. I like Urban a lot. Um, but uh, we're going off the field at halftime of the Alabama game, the one Brantley started. We go down the field and we try the jump pass. And, you know, we had a good plan, but I, it got away from us. It was 2010. I go, all right, coach, sideline interview. <laughs> got it. And no Nothing. interview. Nothing. And then his last game as uh, coach against Florida State, he also declined his post game. But he did the Outback Bowl with me. I mean, I look, it was a lot of things going on that day in Tallahassee. I'm yeah. sure you know a lot of emotions. Yes. A lot of things going on. But it was everybody remembers the Muschamp rant. You remember that, right? Uh, Tim Brando said something on CBS. Did he? He says, "Refresh our memories." Well, we're coming off the half. He played South Carolina, and we're up 28 to six, I think, at the half. Driscoll has four touchdown passes, all but they were all like 12-yard drives, okay? But the officiating was terrible. And Muschamp is fired up, um, fired up. And he said he was mad at the officials, and he comes to me, and he says, we got to overcome the adversity on the field. He's talking about, I'm thinking, you're up 22 points at the half, and he's talking about the officials, but he's screaming at me like in typical Muschamp. And it was all over CBS, and then ended up being on the Internet. And so my phone's blowing up. I get it after the game. What would you say to Muschamp to make him so mad? I'm like, I didn't say anything. I said, Coach, your thoughts on the first half. <laughs> Boom. But I, after he got done yelling at me, I go, uh, I threw it. He, I let him go, and I threw it back up to Mick. And I said, Mick, after that, I didn't think there was need for a follow-up question. <laughs> he was fired up. You probably find it on the Internet. It was pretty funny. pull that one out. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I'll go along right there with the airport video. Oh, by the way, this is Daniel L. Hightower Wednesday. Thanks to Daniel Hightower, lawyer, fighting for action of victim justice since 1976. Brady is going to be a new cast member of the late night Dilly Dilly soon. The fans are they're, they're, they're going crazy. They want you on yeah, this. Yeah, late night it. Dilly Dilly. Uh, so most of the people agree with you. Again, you turn the king against the king's. Kingdom is, is mounting it's, against it's you. Dissension in the kingdom. <laughs> you come in here. What are they? No, it's not dissension. Yeah, you said you like the black yeah. jerseys. Yeah. You uh, turned them. Not me. Uh, it says uh, <laughs> it, gets, it gets real in the kingdom of late night dilly dilly, says Richie. Uh, somebody says, what vibes are you is Brady getting for the team? Good ones. Good ones. Your son, yeah. he's getting them from his son. Who Paul? You're telling me he seems very excited. Yeah, he is. He is. And, are we allowed um, to say that? I don't want to get your son. Yeah, no, we're not going to say what they're doing or anything. But he's excited. I think I think the fans can see it on Twitter. There's some vocal guys, uh, but I think good players. And buddy, you know this. You've covered a lot of great players. Uh, you've been friends with great players in their careers and stuff. Great players want to be pushed. Great players want to be coached. Well, coached yeah. yeah, they want to be coached. And you can't let the inmates run the asylum and get away with it too long. And so I think um, I think this whole transition, especially in the offseason, has been really good. It's teaching them discipline. It's teaching them accountability. It's teaching them um, structure and things that they really, I, I think, were lacking. Uh, are they getting bigger and stronger? I think the summer will do that. I mean, they're working hard, but I think your big gains come in the summer. This is a short eight to twelve week window before spring practice, and they get a week off next week. So, but the kids are excited because Mullen has made everybody feel like they have an opportunity. 
He's made everybody feel like they uh, that they're they're gonna yeah they want to win. Look, I mean we've had some great defenses around here. Yeah. And some national championship defenses that got nothing to show for it. Yeah. So I, I think the vibe is good. I think there's a level of a excitement and energy that I've not seen in this program in a long time. And I, the reason it's different than when Muschamp came in here is Muschamp was just talking down the prior regime the whole time. We're yes, going to clean was. it up, clean yes, it up. Was. And I'm a, Will and I are friends, but the, there were still guys that were playing for him that were loyalists to Urban, you know? And I think when you talk down the prior guy, it undermines your whole thing. Mullen has said nothing except maybe, you know, we're going to try. I don't know what those guys were doing. I wasn't in the quarterback room, but we're going to try to complete passes. <laughs> I'm looking over here. What at, we got? At Urban's way. Yeah. And I remember the press conference. The first thing Mullen said, excuse me, not Mullen, first thing Muschamp said at his press conference is, we're going to do it the Florida way. I was a slam right at Urban. We're going to do it. was a slam at your book. Of course it was. The Florida Did you sell any way. copies that day? Not that day, no. <laughs> Just got, the guy from ESPN today asked me if he could, could get one. So for college football's 150th anniversary next year, they're doing a massive project next That'd year. That'd be great. And uh, I talked to one of the producers. Did I make so. that book? Have I been you in any of your did. books? Yeah, no, you've been, yes, you have. Yes, you've not. been in one, I know. Swamp and, uh, Fox? <laughs> Maybe. I forgot about Daddy. that one. <laughs> I, I had to look it up. And I give Leach a hard time. I go, Leach, how can you have so many books and I'm not in any of them? Like, Come on. I got stories on Mike Leach. Now. Got Come stories. on. But if well, he doesn't start putting me in one of his yeah, books, yeah. I'm going to have to what come clean do? and write my own book. For sure. Let's finish off with a little basketball. By the way, uh, Ken says, I don't care if they were in their drawers as long as they win. Yeah, I think it's about winning. Ken says. Yeah. And then, uh, what? Brady, what do you think about the quote from an NBA scout how how impressive Mike White has been turning a group of selfish guys into a team playing together? John Brockway had it. Now, oh, there are two things, I think, because I talked to Chris Harry today. who's talked to an NBA okay. scout last Is night. Is that what it was? Well, there was two. Chris Harry had sat next to an NBA scout last night who said um, he was impressed with Hudson. Which is, I think, what you're Yeah, well, this going. is a different Hudson, man. Yeah, but this is, um, um, you know, and then Brockway's comment leads you to, or quote that he got from a scout leads you to believe that the scouts were told that this was a selfish team, probably in confidence by Mike White. Um, they probably are, and in fairness to them, that they, they, the guys coming back, I think that it felt like they had it figured out. But, you know, I think they have been unselfish the last month, and their effort's been good. Um, the first time they played Alabama, that's the only game this year. I thought they quit. The second half, I think they quit with eight minutes to go. They, they didn't want anymore. Yeah. They tapped out. But yeah. um, it's interesting. What do you think about it? What do you think? Are you, do you think that? I, I thought, if anything, I don't agree they were selfish because I wanted to see guys wanting the ball more. Yeah. Nobody wanted the basketball. To me, a selfish team, wants, they all want to shoot it. At their problem, they can go three minutes sometimes and not score a point because nobody shoot the basketball. Well, I think that here's what I think, and I agree with you. I think the selfish comment is relating to not buying into defense. Well, that's Transition different. defense, yeah, playing hard, yeah. you know, guards coming down and flagging at the ball. Yeah. yeah, I get you on that. I wouldn't disagree And he's been that. preaching defense since day one. Yeah, yeah, and he had moments. But, hey, by the way, got about a minute and a half to go. But uh, Brockway, your friend Brockway says, okay, this was secure a top four seed in the SEC tournament, double by with a win Saturday. Or an Arkansas loss at Missouri on Saturday. Right. If they finish off, they beat Kentucky. They'll have polished off Auburn, Alabama, 
and Kentucky to go out of the finish regular season, yeah. taking a really terrible slump into really a great strong finish. Yeah, and they've, if you look at their record against the top teams in the league, other than Tennessee, it's yeah. been really good. Yeah. Um, they only played them once. Uh, yeah, I think they could, they can finish three, four, or five. They could lose and still finish four if Arkansas loses. Um, so, but take care of your own business. If you can find a way to beat Kentucky, get that Friday night 9:30 game. Give yourself a chance, uh, you know, to, long to make weekend, some relax. It's a long week, yeah, yeah. But you also, um, you know, get, get yourself rested and get your rotations ready for uh, hopefully a three-day weekend. You know, I just thought about this. Such a is that your phone, by the way? Uh-uh. I think it is. Oh, and it's, it's not. Well, someone was talking to us. Uh, here we got about a minute and a half to go. Two minutes. Uh, here's what they need. You know the cheerleaders at all, right? You know them. Who? The cheerleaders at the basketball games. You the know Gator them? cheerleaders. Yeah, you know, the dancers. I don't know them personally. Well, here's what my message is. You got to start a new cheer. All right. All right. Quadrant one. Quadrant one. Quadrant run. One. That's a great cheer. Because they need more quadrant one wins, see? So if you cheer for it, maybe they'll get it. They've you're, got you're, not, you're not taking me serious. I can tell. Look at this. No, well, because I. Quadrant I, one. I think if you're going to make a cheer, there's got to be yeah. a second verse. All right, well, you come up with a second No, verse. I don't. You don't, you don't give me enough time to come up with a second quadrant verse. Quadrant one is. Quadrant a lot one is hard to say, isn't it? It is. It is. I, I can't say it either. Oh, quad one. It was a terrible. They got, a, they got more quad one wins than. Quad, quad you, one. How many does Kentucky have? Do you know? That's a good Well, they only have three? Three. Wow. Yeah, they're seated higher than Florida in all the Joe Lenardi brackets. Well, so. there you go. Yeah. But I, I think they're in, obviously, and I think if they win Saturday and win a game in the tournament, they're going to get have a chance to get a top four seed. Well, it makes spring a whole lot more interesting. The baseball team is playing well. Oh, they look good. Uh, anything else up there we need to know about games? You're on top of all that. What's going on up there we need to know about your closeout? Any good news? Softball, Kelly Barnhill's playing, pitching out of her mind. Yeah. Uh, baseball team is off to a good start. Uh, what else is going on? That's it. Spring That's practice it. starts March 16th. Spring breaks next week. It's the best time of the year to be in Gainesville. There's nobody around you can drive without getting run over. Uh, it's always great to be <laughs> here with, uh, well, you can, yeah. Scooters, by the way, are that's a menace. Yeah. Keep those guys off scooters, will you? I'm trying. That's terrible. Keep yourself. I'm trying to keep. I'm trying. Oh, it's the, every, it's the only way around now. I know. Get a bike or something. It's always fun to do the program with Brady. It's the Buddy Arton and Bray Yakiman, usually Tuesday. We're thinking about changing the time again. Brady's got his contractual commitments he has. <laughs> we had to check all his fine print to see if he's available on the third Tuesday in March at 4 o'clock. I don't know, but we'll find out. But you know what? It's worth it just yep. to be able to do radio. It's fun. You know, I can imagine. I hope we get a chance to do this. I think we will in football season. That's where we're going to have some fun. We're definitely going to have some fun. Oh, we might. This show might run right into the late night dilly dilly show during football season. It might be a continual. It might just late be a night dilly dilly. It could be a continual. Thank you, buddy. All right, Good dilly dilly. For dilly dilly. Appreciate right. that. That wraps it up for another day on the Buddy Martin Show. Tomorrow we're back. I don't know the guests yet. Maybe Terry Bradshaw. Maybe not. We'll find out. Uh, no schedule late night dilly dilly. We had one on Monday, but we'll keep you posted. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being in early. We missed France. We'll catch up with him maybe tomorrow and get his take on the weekend game against Kentucky. On behalf of Brady Ackerman, Buddy Martin, good night and dilly dilly.